ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Beyonders, this is Lee, one half of the dynamic duo that is beyond terrestrial. I'm coming to you from the Bell Witch's backyard inside the Haunted Barn Studios. Dan is the other half, and he's about to say hello right now. Hey, Beyonders. It's Dan coming at you south of the moon on the banks of the beautiful Snake River. Hope you're having a lovely autumn. Lee, how's it going out there in the Bell Witches backyard? You know what? It is a little chilly. Um, we had a cold snap a couple days ago and it dropped below zero. They actually closed the school because of ice, potentially. And I lost it for like three days trying to understand why we were closing the school because because they they closed the school one day because of the potential of ice there was no ice then we two hour delayed the school the next day (laughs) and all i have to say is i'm from idaho so i was really confused yeah Um, well too bad for you lee because we're having perfect fall weather out here perfect oh, oh all i said was like people were like well it's really cold out and i'm just like well, that happens for three months straight in Idaho, so I don't know what you're complaining about. <laughs> All right. Sorry, guys. Uh, I just had to go on that little bit of a rant. It was amazing, though, and my daughter loved every minute of it. She got to stay home alone for the first time um, for a couple hours uh, because of that, because my wife had to go to work, um, and I was still at work. So she loved every minute of that. Of that. Did you get her a couple paint cans that she could tie to a string and fling down the stairs at any intruders? No, but we have some. She should have done that if necessary. (laughs) I mean, we've got the alarm system and a three-legged dog, so I figured we'd be okay. (laughs) (laughs) The the paint cans are where it's at. That's what really keeps the crooks away. It's true. It's true. And also, like, the old gangster movie with the cardboard cutout. I got to get a hold of those things for for next time. (laughs) Oh, shoot. Yeah, see, that's hard when the school closes and you don't have a gangster movie to put on. Exactly. Scare people away. (laughs) Too bad. Um, All right, guys. This episode episode we're doing is going to be coming out for everybody around Christmas time. Yes, yes, it is. It's coming out... um, it should be a couple days before Christmas. I think it's uh, like right around that time, though. Um, and in the spirit of Christmas, 
I decided that I would, uh, or we would do an episode on UFOs that occurred right around Christmas. And I found one amazing story for you guys. That happened on December 26th and 27th. Um, Dan, do you have any idea what this episode's going to be about? Uh, yes, I do. I was looking uh, at UFOs that happened around Christmas time, and this was like the number one hit on Google. Guys, we're talking about the Rendlesham incident at RAF Woodbridge. Yes, we are. Okay, guys, I'm really excited to bring you this story, and we're about to go into it right now. <laughs> On December 26th and 27th of 1980, one of the most famous incidents in UFO history occurred in the UK. Just outside of two air bases that were leased by the U.S. Air Force, RAF Bentwaters and RAF Wood- Woodbridge. It actually happened like right in between the two. This event event Smack became- dab in the middle. Go ahead. Oh, sorry, I screwed you up, man. <laughs> Smack dab in the middle. Right in the middle. This event became known as the Rendlesham Forest Incident and will forever be seen as one of the strangest and most well-documented situations to occur in ufology. Yeah, guys, so if you don't know, back in the 80s, right, we were in a little thing called the Cold War. You remember that, Lee? I, I, I do. Um, it was rather <laughs> chilly, like it was the other night. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, our air bases in places like uh, eastern uh, Great Britain were really the first line of defense against uh, any attacks coming from uh, the Soviet Union at the time. So it was a big deal. Um, a lot of those bases have been, you know, consolidated and closed down now. But, you know. It was a big deal back then, and in that Cold War mindset, let's go into the events that happened. The amazing thing is, is when you bring it in in that kind of thought process, they're on high alert already, so they're paying attention to every little thing. So here we go. On December 26th, around 12.30 a.m., many credible witnesses saw an unidentified object travel into the forest. This was corroborated by radar tracking. After being sent to investigate the situation, it was recorded, reported that a triangular-shaped object nearly 10 feet across and 8 feet high had landed on three legs. This object then retracted its legs and led the soldiers on a chase through the trees before abruptly shooting vertically into the sky. The last thing the witnesses remember before waking up back where they started was a bright light shining down on them. After that, they blacked out. The team, was, the team that was sent to find the missing men also found three marks on the ground that matched the description the other men gave them. While this in, in its own right is very well documented, that's just the beginning. Whoa, that's crazy, Lee. So, like, uh, put yourself in these guys' shoes. It's 1230 on the 26th. So, you know, Christmas just happened. You open your presents, you have your meal, you go to work uh, at this air base on watch, getting ready for the Soviets, the commies, to launch an attack on the West. And the next thing you know, there's some unidentified bogey landing in the woods. Uh, You see it make a crazy 90 degree 
turn and shoot straight up into the sky, something that none of our craft could ever possibly do. And then you wake up laying in the grass in the winter someplace in England, just like, what the hell happened? There's a bright light. Okay. See, that would mess with you. Like, it would mess with me. Yeah, I mean, what, what do you do? You're like, what was that thing? You're thinking about Soviets. You're thinking about attacks. You're on this alert, and you're out there, you know, coming from a turnaround from Christmas dinner to waking up in the woods with no idea what happened. That would freak me out. So, <laughs> yeah. this was reported to the base commander. The night of the 26th into the 27th, more reports rolled in. By this time, it had caught the attention of the base commander, Lieutenant Colonel Charles Halt. Halt was better prepared this time. He dispatched a larger team into the forest, leading the team himself to ensure he got the most accurate and accurate information possible. They further analyzed the earlier site and found radiation outside the normal range. They split into two groups and continued deeper into the forest. A short time later, Group 2, the offshoot team, alerted Group 1, Halt's group, that they were witnessing a red light shrouded in mist. About this time, Group 1 found themselves being approached by the same red light. This quickly transitioned into a full rainbow spectrum of lights. After the red light had moved away from Group 2, they witnessed another strange domed object admitting its own light, in which they could see humanoid silhouettes as if they were backlit. Like if, you know, you're standing inside and, or, and you're standing outside and there's like a, a Christmas dinner and you're watching from the window because you're <laughs> sad. Uh, <laughs> and the lights behind you, yes, shadows of human figures in a red light out in the woods of Great Britain. Wild and crazy. You're already far from home, and now you're seeing this, and it's like right after Christmas. Great. Yeah. <laughs> These strange events continued for another hour. The official story ends here, but that's not the end of this roller coaster yet. Oh, what happened next? The incident was so well documented that a member of the U.S. Senate, James Exxon, Exxon? James Exxon launched his own investigation into the events. This investigation was kept secret, and further information was kept as quiet as possible. However, that has not stopped researchers from finding witnesses. Many of these men, some of them, have such extreme stories, they're like the, the craziest thing we've ever heard. From implanted memories to missing time, it gets incredible. We here at BT, or Beyond Terrestrial, may delve deeper into this mystery in the future. There are so many detailed eyewitness accounts that I, I couldn't get into it tonight. But guys, it was crazy. Um, I'm talking about the implanted memories was like a binary code that describes something about a um, an off the shore island of Brit or off island. Uh, island off of Britain that was just insane. Like it was basically a binary code that that went to an alphabet that it was just, I'm telling you, this is one of the craziest stories you will ever hear. Um, it is amazing. And there are like anthropomorphic bunnies on this island and just other insane crap. Whoa. So 
So these guys who experienced this crazy event um, had even crazier recollections after the fact. Yes. And the amazing thing is most of them don't have the same recollection. Um, One of the men, uh, he was the one, he actually touched the craft, and that's how he received that information. Another one doesn't remember anything um, other than waking up back in the forest. Um, So these stories are just amazing. And the best part about this whole story, I have audio for you. As I said, Lieutenant Commander James Holtz, I'm sorry, Lieutenant Commander Charles Halt um, has a recording that he made that night um, while he was actually doing this investigation. And that recording is in the public domain, which means I can play it for you guys here tonight. Whoa, let's check it out. All right, let's go. 150 feet or more from the initial, I should say, suspected impact point. Having a lift going, I can't get the light all to work. There seems to be some kind of mechanical problem. Let's send back get another light on. You can tell we're going to take some readings together, Kyle, and uh, chase around here a little bit, wait for another light off to my kids. Possibly it could be a blast. It's in the 
tents right here in the center. Uh -huh. We found a small blast, what looks like a blasted or scrubbed up area here. We got very positive readings. Let's see, is that here the center? Yes, it is. This is what we would assume would be the dead center. Just think about forest to go along the whole area here now.
with a round abrasion on the tree about uh, three and a half, four inches in diameter. It looks like it might be old, but uh, strange as a crystalline pine sap has come out that fast. See those other trees here that are damaged in a similar fashion? Yeah, so I'll make it in the court to center the landing. So okay, why don't you take a picture of that and remember your picture, and you got to be writing this down. What's going to be on the tape? Right. You've got a tape measure with you? This is the picture. Your first picture will be at the first tree, the one between uh, Mark 2 and 3. Meantime, I'm going to look at a couple of these trees over here. We are getting some. Do you have any on the tree you've taken samples from on the side facing the suspected landing site? Four clicks, Max. Up to four. Interesting. That's right. We're taking the sample now. Four. That's the strongest point on the tree? Yes, sir. If you come to the back, there's no clicks whatsoever. No clicks at all on the back. It's all on the Maybe one side facing the... Interesting. The indentations look like something twisted as it got, you know, as it sat down on them. Looks like someone took something and sat it down and twisted it from side to side. Mm -hmm. Very strange. Well, if it's the same tree we took the sample off with this, what do you call it, starscope? Uh-huh, star yeah, getting, getting a definite heat reflection off the tree, about, about three to four feet off the ground? Yes, where the spot is. It's same place where the spot is. We're getting a heat. spot on the tree directly behind us. I picked up the same thing. Uh, three trees in the area, immediately adjacent to the site, within 10 feet of the suspected landing site. We're picking up heat reflection off the trees. What's that again? Well, shine the light on again, Bob. Well, you have to Tell me when. 
moves it again. And it just moves to the right. Yeah. Off to the right. Strange. Oh, well, what do you want to do left? Let's approach to the edge of the woods up there. Can you want to do a lot of lights? Let's do it carefully. Come on. Okay, we're looking at the thing. We're probably about two to 300 yards away. It looks like an eye winking at you. It's still moving from side to side. And when you put the star scope on it, it, it sort of has a hollow center, a dark center. It's, guys that was an incredible story and you can really hear the panic in his voice dan i know you haven't heard it quite yet um but it is an incredible um thing dan um i'm yeah. excited for you to hear it well and so i uh researched this incident a little bit and wanted to see the skeptical analysis right um there were a lot of people talking about a lighthouse nearby that people could have mistaken for that but how do you, you a craft an actual physical object that someone has touched uh you're not going to mistake the light from a lighthouse for that well will you also <laughs> take into account that i mean it was caught on radar it's not just eyewitness accounts it's yeah. not just somebody from a distance oh i saw a light in the forest there's a radar detection of it how do you pass that up you know well, and, um, you know, there is, I guess, maybe some potential explanation for, you know, Cold War paranoia. 
something a little blip comes up people go out searching uh they see they think they see things and you know the whole thing spirals out of control but that doesn't lead people to have these absolutely wild stories um you know about the lights and the chase and the humanoid figures um that that comes from something else absolutely now whether it's aliens whether it's soviet technology and they because of cold war um nerves these soldiers are over overemphasizing things like maybe it didn't fly at a direct 90 degree angle straight up um maybe it was more uh, something that is possible with our current mechanics um but at the same time something happened in that forest and you you really can't discount that by saying it was a lighthouse right well maybe they were all drugged as part of some ridiculous uh cia experiment you know sort of thing see if uh they could take advantage of this cold war paranoia you know test something out on our troops before they pulled it on the russians that's true that's absolutely true and if you think about that that explains some of the wild dreams um some of the the wild memories that come out um now that being said uh if that one man's story is true and unfortunately i don't have his name available to me because i'm doing this part from memory um if his story is true, I mean, he he was able to, from memory, write out a binary code that actually translated to a sensical, like, actual phrase um, Oh wow! that made some sense. Now, that being said, it could be a hoax. You never know. Um, I lean more towards it was that part's probably just after the fact, how can I gain some popularity? Um I never want to dis- disparage somebody and say that I don't believe them, but I have to go with the more logical conclusion when I'm looking at things like that. And let's be real, the story that occurred that was documented, I've told you. The story after that fact, it's all story it's all stories from eyewitnesses. In some cases, these eyewitnesses can't even be conclusively proven that they were on the site. Hmm. And that's hard to well, do when you're talking about a military personnel. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're trying to cover up some kind of top secret experiment where you're drugging your own troops. I'm just saying. Um, that's super conspiratorial and in no way corroborated by any evidence. But, <laughs> um, it's fair, though. You know, these, yeah, I mean, these kinds of things have happened in the history of the United States military and clandestine services. So it's not a super big stretch to think that they could be experimenting on our own troops to try and get them worked up, paranoid, uh, use some kind of drug to create a diversion to attack the Russians. I mean, I don't know. They come up with all kinds of crazy things. No, I I absolutely hear you on that. I mean, we're talking um, just a short time after MKUltra was happening. I mean, MKUltra was in the 70s, um, 60s and 70s. I I can't believe that they wouldn't be um, still at least somewhat interested in what they can do with different drugs. Um, so absolutely, I think that that's, that's a possibility. Um, 
Is it the facts? I don't know. I know the story that was reported um, that was corroborated by um, and actually admitted to by military and by um, the UK and their Ministry of Defense, um, which is what I've told us here today. Uh, after that, uh, there's so much spe speculation. There's so much crazy stories that, I mean, I can't even tell you guys how. <laughs> I, I, yeah, that's what I got. Yeah, guys, we, we are going off the rails on this one. We are going into all kinds of deep conspiratorial offshoots. But what, what did happen, there was a radar contact. They sent guys out to look for it. And they came back with some absolutely wild tales of fear, paranoia, of, you know, missing memories, implanted memories. Absolutely nuts. So whatever, whatever happened that got these guys out there, uh, it came back absolutely crazy. And yeah, that's, that's as wild as it gets, Lee. Absolutely. It's a great way to ruin a Christmas holiday. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. That's a, that's a Christmas those guys will never forget uh, unless they had the memories wiped from their brains. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Will Smith has that device. It should help out. Yeah, yeah. Well, Beyonders, that's the show. If you guys see any lights in the sky this Christmas... Uh, make sure you file a report with the local authorities because who knows what's out there. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for listening to Beyond Terrestrial. Lee, where can the people follow us? You know what? They can find us on Facebook at Beyond Terrestrial Pod. They can also find us on Twitter, and that is Beyond T Pod. Once again, that is Beyond T Pod. All right, guys, thanks for listening, and we will be coming back to you on New Year's Eve. I'm excited. Dan's got a great story for you. Have a good day, Beyonders. See you later.
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>